brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Once upon a time, it would have been unthinkable to have a statue of Martin Luther or a stamp featuring Martin Luther and John Calvin anywhere near the Vatican. The stamp, of course, issued by the Vatican Post Office and the statue of Martin Luther famously paraded around for the last 20-odd years in Vatican City by the various pontiffs during that time. And yet, that's the reality today. So for you today, I have a sort of reflection that <laughs> comes from Pope Leo XIII, and it's a letter, relatively short one, on him rejecting the presence of our so-called separated brethren in Rome and the spreading of their errors. This was after the fall of the Papal States, so he couldn't really do much about it. But he was still the Bishop of Rome. And as the Bishop of Rome, it was his pastoral duty to protect his flock from such errors. It's a missing sentiment today, I think, from the various occupants of the Vatican. So without further delay, the letter of Pope Leo XIII on Protestant proselytism in Rome, dated 1900. To M. Pietro Cardinal Respighi, our Vicar General, Lord Cardinal, already from the first moments of our pontificate, we had to indicate as one of the most deplorable harm that is the change in the order of things in this capital of the Catholic world, the ardent proselytism of heresy and consequently the peril which the faith of our people was exposed to. And on this subject we have put forward to our Cardinal Vicar, we have on numerous occasions imparted exhortations, counsels, and warnings to the faithful to warn them against the multiple attempts that sects of all kinds, coming from foreign lands, would exercise here under the umbrella of public laws in order to spread in the souls of the faithful the mess of denial and error. However, if on the one hand we are happy to recognize that our word, assisted by uninterrupted attention, did not fail to yield good results, on the other hand, we are constrained to confess that the boldness of the enemies of the Catholic religion have redoubled, thanks to the support that comes to them from outside. The evil, far from diminishing, went on increasing, especially on these latter times. It is thus necessary, Lord Cardinal, to revisit this most unpleasant and important subject, which is so intimately linked to the duties and to the rights of our apostolic ministry, and to the loving and paternal love we feel towards our people of Rome. It is now well known to everyone by the evidence of the facts that the plan conceived by the heretical groups, multiform emanations of Protestantism, is to raise the standard of discourse and religious rejection in the peninsula of Italy, but mostly in this noble city of Rome, which God himself, admirably ordaining the events, established as the center of this fecund and sublime unity, the object of which was the prayer addressed by our divine Savior to his heavenly Father, see John chapter 17, verses 11 and 21 which was jealously guarded by the popes, even unto the price of their life, despite the oppositions of men and the vicissitudes of time, after having destroyed in their respective homeland by opposite and discordant systems the venerable and ancient beliefs that were part of the sacred deposit of revelation, after having scattered the icy breath of doubt in the souls of their spectators, of division and incredulity, immense ruin that we deplore and of which we are touched by compassion in the bottom of our heart, for we see in each of these creatures the sons of the same father, redeemed by the same blood. These groups have thus introduced themselves into the chosen vineyard of the Lord, with the objective to pursue their disastrous task. 
Not being able to count on the strength of truth, they reap the benefit in order to extinguish, or at least reduce, the Catholic faith in souls, in the young and helpless, the culturally inadequate, the distressed and the needy, simply people who are accessible to flatteries, to lures, and to seductions. Being made aware of this fact, before anything, we suffer the need to confess, as we have done so on other occasions, just how exasperating is the condition imposed upon the head of the Catholic Church, forced to observe the free and progressive development of the heresy in this holy city, from which we must shine forth on the world the light of truth and of good example, and which should be the respected see of the vicar of Jesus Christ as if this didn't suffice to corrupt the mind and heart of the people from a torrent of unwholesome doctrines and deprivations that spring forth with impunity on a daily basis from professors chairs from theaters from newspapers there had to be added to all these causes of perversion the insidious labor of heretical men which fighting against themselves are but one accord to inveigh against the supreme pontifical magisterium the catholic clergy and the dogmas of our holy religion of which they know not the meaning and much less appreciate its august beauty from which it follows that the faithful who, from all regions, even the most remote, flock in pilgrimage to Rome to find comfort to their piety, to their faith, must remain profoundly saddened as they gaze down on the ground, soaked as it is by the blood of martyrs, invaded by groups of all kinds, whose sole worry is to tear away from the soul of the people this religion that was declared the religion of the state and that is the principal object of their love and worship. You will thus easily understand, Lord Cardinal, how painful this sad state of affairs is to our heart, and how keen is our desire to witness the appropriate remedies that will, if not entirely execrate the evil, at least severely diminish its gravity and its bitterness. This is why we were greatly comforted by the founding of a distinguished organization, to which we have ourselves given the inspiration and impetus, which is called preservation of the faith, even more so by the satisfying results that it started to gain, thanks to the inextinguishable zeal of both those who lead it and are part of it. It is our wish, Lord Cardinal, counting on your usual and well-known activity, that this salutary work, so well adapted to the present needs, should sustain, reinforce, and propagate to the point of constituting an efficient and powerful defense against the aforementioned peril. First of all, a firm and constant support will have to be supplied by the parochial clergy of Rome, hard-working, zealous, and modest, upon whom the care and responsibility of souls is chiefly incumbent. Vitality, strength, and expansion will be further added, thanks to the Catholic laity of this town, which are always ready to bring their intelligent and charitable contributions wherever the interests of religion and the material and moral well-being of their neighbor is at stake. For everyone may the principal worry be to strengthen the character of the Catholic people, inspiring noble and holy intentions, at the same time preventing carelessness, in which under the guise of innocent assemblies for young people, conferences for young girls, foreign language courses, growth of culture, and subsidies to poor families, lies hidden a criminal purpose to insinuate in the minds and hearts the reprobate maxims of heresy. May all the faithful be thoroughly imbued with this truth that nothing can be more precious to them than this treasure that is their faith for which their forefathers confronted without fear, not only miseries and deprivations, but also often violent persecutions and even death. Such a sense of strength cannot but be natural and profound in our population that knows all too well that not only does the Catholic Church possess the divine seal that distinguishes it as the only true one, the only one which received the promises of life immortal, but has spread again at all times her incomparable blessings on Rome, on Italy, and on all the world subduing the onslaught of barbarism with the justice of her laws and the meekness of her moors, spreading as St. As Saint Leo the Great in Sermon 1 said so well, the dominion of Christian peace, well beyond the explored confines by the Roman eagles, salvaging literature, 
libraries, intellectual culture, monuments, inspiring all orders of science and art, coming to the aid of the weak, the poor, the oppressed, with the generosity of love and the magnanimity of sacrifice and of heroism. It is why we nourish the confidence that none of the Romans, who are the most privileged sons of the Catholic Church, will ever want, for any human interest whatsoever, to separate herself from this most tender mother, that after having given him birth and grace, never cease to surround him, by her most affectionate solicitudes, of which we are also equally persuaded that the most generous Catholics who founded and propagated the aforementioned organization called Preservation of the Faith, will never give themselves to respite or rest as long as eternal salvation is in jeopardy, should it be so for one soul, showing thusly by the very fact the enemies of religion are stronger by the quantity of riches, the former will vanquish by the fullness of their charity. As a token of divine favor for bringing this grave task to a happy end, we grant with all our heart, Lord Cardinal, to the promoters of this pious endeavor, and to all those who will favor it, the Apostolic Benediction. Signed, Pope Leo XIII in the Vatican on the 19th of August, 1900. And what you have there is a apostolic letter to one of the cardinals whose job it was to strengthen the efforts of the laity to preserve the faith. Can you imagine that today? Can you imagine the uproar if that happened today? I want you to think about it. What would, can you imagine if Francis released a letter today saying, you know, dear Cardinal Perelin, you have done a magnificent job so far of preserving the faith in the city of Rome against whatever would be the scourge of the modern day on a theological front. Can you imagine that? That would never happen. Makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? There's sometimes people wonder why Pope Leo XIII hasn't been canonized. And I'll remind people that before the, before the conciliar popes, from 1570 to 1954, I think, there were two popes canonized in almost 500 years, Pope St. Pius V and Pope St. Pius X. It used to be much harder to canonize a pope, and I am a great admirer of Pope Leo XIII, and if he were to withstand this, the, the rigid examination for into a pope's character and alleged miracles involving him, I would not object, but I wouldn't want him canonized under modern standards. But he hasn't been canonized because of things like this. Too rigid. <laughs> He's way too rigid. And that says nothing about all of his, his, his encyclicals on the Holy Rosary, which I have on this channel, or his encyclicals on the social conditions of the world at the time, which would ruffle a lot of feathers. <laughs> anyway, I hope you found this letter useful today. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.